0: Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. Welcome to the Investing Insights podcast from Morningstar. In this week's podcast, Ed Slott talks about qualified charitable distributions, Christine Benz helps investors play catch up with their savings, and we highlight the latest additions to the Morningstar prospects list. Let's get started. Here is tax planning expert Ed Slott with Christine Benz from Morningstar, Inc. Hi, I'm
1: Christine Benz from Morningstar. For charitably inclined older adults, a qualified charitable distribution often beats making a charitable contribution and deducting it on your tax return. Joining me to discuss the QCD, as well as what he calls the mega QCD, is author and tax planning expert Ed Slott. Ed, thank you so much for being here.
2: Great to be back with you, Christine. Thanks.
1: It's always great to have you here. I want to talk about the qualified charitable distribution. Can you start by outlining what that is?
2: it's one of my favorite provisions of the tax code qcds qualified charitable distributions it's a way for people who give to charity anyway to get a tax benefit remember most people don't get the tax benefit they used to since the law changed a few years ago and most people don't itemize and they take a standard deduction. So this is good for people that have IRAs and to get that money out literally at zero tax, which you can't do better than that. Actually, the only negative about QCDs is that it doesn't apply to enough people. It only applies to IRA owners and IRA beneficiaries who are 70 and a half years old or older. Now, that's not an error, even though the SECURE Act raised the required minimum distribution, RMD, age to 72. It did not affect the QCD age, and here we are, we're getting into all these acronyms, (laughs) it's like a different language. So you have this gap between 70 and a half and 72 before RMDs begin that you can still uh, do the QCDs and what is involved there, it's a direct transfer. In other words, you notify your custodian, whoever it is, to move your IRA money directly from your IRA to your chosen charity, direct, doesn't come out to you, goes direct to the charity, and it's not included in your income, where normally a distribution from an IRA would be included in your income. Now, you don't get a deduction per se, because you're not itemizing deductions, but you're getting better than a deduction. You're getting an exclusion from income. That's better than a deduction because it lowers your adjusted gross income, AGI, another acronym. And that's a key number on the tax return that determines the amount of benefits, deductions, and credits that you may be entitled to.
1: So you referenced that there's this disconnect, the QCD age is 70 and a half, the RMD age is 72. So why might someone who's 70 and a half want to consider this maneuver before RMDs actually commence?
2: Well, to get a tax benefit out of donations you might make, and this is for people, I'm not saying to make donations just to get a tax benefit. If I was saying that, then give all your money to charity and you'll never have a tax. But I'm talking about for making the gifts you're going to make anyway. You know, we're so entrenched in this habit of writing a check to the charity. And most people don't realize still they're not getting any tax benefit for it because they're not itemizing their deductions. So if you're giving to charity anyway, why not take it from an IRA? Remember, an IRA is a pre-tax account. It's money that has not yet been taxed. This is the best money on earth to give to charity because it's loaded with tax so if you're giving anyway and you qualify remember it doesn't qualify if you're in a 401k or another company plan only from iras and you actually have to be 70 and a half if you're 70 and a half tomorrow you can't do it today you actually have to be 70 and a half but it goes right to the charity and it's not included in income. Now, when you hit RMDs, some people use that to offset the income from their uh, required minimum distribution.
1: So you coined a term called mega QCD. (laughs) Can you talk about what that is? Some people who are familiar with the retirement planning rules are familiar with the mega backdoor Roth IRA. What's the mega QCD?
2: (laughs) I made that up because everybody likes anything that has a tax benefit with the word mega in front of it. You know, whatever it is, I want mega. So (laughs) you have the mega, I made up the mega QCD. It's actually an anomaly that's ending at the end of this year due to a, a couple of tax laws the QCD I just talked about, again, only available to IRA owners, 70 and a half or older, but there's another limit you can only do, and this is enough for most people, but annually you're limited to 100,000 a year. What if you wanted to make more? Or what if you don't qualify for a QCD? Maybe you're only 50 years old. Maybe your money's in a 401k. There's a provision that's ending. It came in one of the laws late last year in one of these stimulus packages that says, If you itemize deductions, now before I said most people don't itemize because they don't have enough deductions to go higher than the standard deduction. But what if you really want to give a lot to charity and you itemize cash gifts are deductible only through the end of this year, 100% up to 100% of your AGI, your adjusted gross income. So here's the mega QCD, you could take from your IRA Let's say you want to give a million dollars for some reason. You have a multi million dollar IRA and you want to give to charity. And I said the IRA is the best money to give to charity, it's loaded with taxes. You could take a million dollars out of your IRA. Now, that's a taxable distribution, it's going to add a million dollars to your AGI. But now that your AGI is higher, you could give a million dollars to charity to virtually offset. The income on that IRA distribution and way bypass that $100,000 limit. Actually, you could do the QCD if you qualify, plus the mega QCD. So, who benefits from this? People who don't normally qualify for the QCD because maybe they don't have an IRA. Maybe they only have a 401k. This would work from a 401k if you're eligible for a distribution. Or maybe they're not 70 and a half. Somebody watching now says, you know, I'm 65. I like to give to charity. I wish I could have that IRA deal, but uh, I'm not 70 and a half yet. You don't have to be for this. You can take money out of your IRA. It works a little differently. It will be added to your AGI, but then you could deduct that amount. And if it's large enough, it will bring you over to qualify for an itemized deduction over the standard deduction amount. So it's kind of an anomaly only for this year because that hundred percent limit which came out of the uh, stimulus bill, one of them, ends this year and it goes back to a different limit. So it's only available for the rest of this year. But if you like to give to charity and you want to use the best assets there are to give with taxable assets, assets like 401ks or IRAs, this is the way to really mega your QCD. So that's why I called it the mega QCD. Now you made it official by Morningstar (laughs) uh, bringing it to everybody's attention.
1: Right. You referenced age 50, Ed. Can you talk about if if someone's withdrawing from a 401k or an IRA? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I said age 50. Forget that. Right. Don't do this before age 59 and a half, because you might have a 10% penalty. Excellent point. Yeah, I was getting carried away there. Yeah, only 59 and a half or older, because if you take uh, from an IRA or 401k, uh, you may have a 10% penalty. That's a deal breaker to me, because that's money going in the garbage. You never want to pay a 10% penalty. You also, another caution, don't do it from a Roth IRA. There's no tax benefit there. You already paid the tax. Good point. So scratch that. What I said before, if I used age 50 as an example, I should have said 60, uh, 59 and a half, but that's a a great point. Don't do it before 59 and a half.
1: Okay, but do act in 2021 because this window is is closing within the next several months. Ed, thank you so much for being here to discuss the QCD and the mega QCD.
2: (laughs) Now it's official.
1: Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for watching. I'm Christine Benz for Morningstar.
0: Expand your investing horizons and look to the long term with Morningstar's podcast, The Long View. Join hosts Christine Benz and Jeff Patak as they talk to influential leaders in investing, advice, and personal finance. Search for and subscribe to The Long View today. Now, Christine Benz and Susan Jabinski from Morningstar, Inc. discuss retirement savings tips.
3: Hi, I'm Susan Jabinski with Morningstar. The stock market has rallied over the past decade plus, but many investors feel they're playing catch-up to save what they need to, to have for retirement. Joining me today to share some tips for people in this situation is Christine Benz, Christine's Morningstar's Director of Personal Finance and Retirement Planning. Hi, Christine, thank you for being here today. Hi, Susan, it's great to see you. So for those people who feel like they're woefully behind when it comes to saving for retirement, some of them plan to just keep working, what are the pros and cons of that approach or that thinking?
1: Well, it's certainly a winner from a financial standpoint. So if you're able to keep working, you can keep earning a paycheck. That means that you'll need to be drawing upon your portfolio for fewer years. You may be able to continue saving. And you also may be able to delay Social Security, which can be incredibly impactful because that's an enlarged lifetime benefit that you'll be able to draw upon. So it's impossible to dispute the value from a financial standpoint. The big roadblock, however, is that many people who plan to retire longer cannot do so due to their own health considerations, due to employment considerations. It might be spouse or parental health considerations that force them out of the workforce earlier than they expected. In fact, our former colleague David Blanchett did some research that I often think about where he explored the disconnect between people's stated retirement dates and their actual retirement dates. And what he found was that people often over-expected themselves to continue working longer than, than they were actually able to do. They retired earlier than they expected. So I would bear that in mind for people who who say, well, my plan is just to keep working till I drop or to work as long as I possibly can. It may not be possible.
3: And you argue that it's not too late to turbocharge your retirement savings. How can someone go about doing that?
1: Right. You know, I keep thinking back to this piece that financial planning guru Michael Kitsis wrote several years ago, where he talked about how this is a worthwhile strategy, especially for empty nesters who have college in the rearview mirror. Maybe they're not going to be purchasing new houses anymore. Some of these big expenses that can weigh on us in our 20s, 30s, and 40s are behind us when we hit our 50s and 60s. And so those are great years where you can supersize your retirement savings. You often have a two-earner couple at that point, where in the past you perhaps just had one spouse who was uh, earning a salary. So there are some hopeful signs for people at this life stage where they can save more in their retirement accounts. They can also turn to non-retirement accounts to really put away a lot for retirement and make up for lost time.
3: And Christine, from a practical standpoint, at this point in life, you're also able to make larger contributions to some of your tax-sheltered
1: accounts, right? That's right, Susan. And that's such an important point that To an IRA, you're able to make an additional $1,000 contribution to a 401k, 403b, 457. It's even more generous. It's $6,500 additional dollars you can contribute for 2021. You're also able to make additional health savings account contributions once you cross age 55. So those are things to take advantage of. And then also bear in mind that if you are supersizing your retirement account contributions, you don't have to stick with those retirement accounts. You can also use a taxable brokerage account And there are no contributions on such an account, obviously. And you can invest really tax efficiently there as well. So you can use exchange-traded funds for your equity exposure, municipal bonds or municipal bond funds for your fixed income exposure. So there's really an opportunity to obtain a lot of the tax deferral characteristics by investing tax efficiently inside of a non-retirement account.
3: Let's pivot a little bit and talk about, you know, specifically the investment part of this now. You know, the the stock market has rallied. uh, And so you can see where people who might be in the position to sort of turbocharge their retirement savings might be a little reticent or hesitant to put money in the stock market right now. What, What would you say to that?
1: I think it really comes down to balance, and I I do share that concern, although I would, would have said to you even two or three years ago, Susan, that I was feeling a little bit nervous about valuations in the stock market, and yet we've seen this upward trend in stocks. I I think for people who are, say, in their 50s, early 60s, the key is to make sure that you have at least some of that portfolio in safer assets. If for whatever reason you are forced to leave work earlier than expected, the last thing you would want to have happen is that you would have to draw upon equity assets while they're simultaneously in a a decline. So as we age, it does make sense to start building that bulwark of safer assets, holding a little bit of cash, holding some bonds, which when we examine market performance over a variety of time horizons, we know that those assets tend to hold steady as stocks decline. So don't go all in on stocks, make sure that you do have safer assets, but don't avoid stocks either because you need them for long-term growth, especially given how low yields on the safe stuff are today.
3: And then, you know, sort of on the flip side, um, now is not the time to necessarily swing for the fences if you're trying to play sort of retirement savings catch-up, right?
1: Well, that's absolutely true. I think that you might have some retirees who say, Look at how great stocks have performed. Why would I even bother with anything else? And by the way, I'm also going to emphasize those types of stocks that have generated really explosive returns in the hope that they'll continue to do that. So I think that that competing temptation Maybe there for some people who are looking at retirement and worried that they might fall short. I would really caution against going all in on stocks at this juncture and specifically going all in on some of the riskiest parts of the market that have performed well for a long time period. I would be super careful on that front. I, I do think it comes back to balance. Uh, you might use a target date fund, for example, at that life stage to help kind of approximate what is a SANE asset allocation given given your proximity to retirement.
3: Well, Christine, thank you for your time today. It sounds like when it comes to retirement saving, even you know later in life, better late than never, I guess, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, Susan. I'm Susan Jabinski with Morningstar. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Next, find out why we have our eyes on this trio of bond funds.
3: Morningstar Prospects is a list of up-and-coming or under-the-radar investment strategies that Morningstar Manager Research may someday bring under full coverage. We recently added a trio of new bond funds to the list. American Funds Strategic Bond adopts an approach that majors in rates and minors in credit, which sets it apart from more credit-heavy peers in the Intermediate Core Plus Morningstar category. The fund aims to derive 60% of excess returns from duration and yield curve positioning, with the remainder coming from sector and security selection. As such, the strategy's duration, a measure of interest rate sensitivity, can whip around and has been as much as four years longer or shorter than its benchmark over the past two years. The managers aim to limit the strategy's correlation to equities and typically tilt the portfolio toward the most liquid sectors of the bond markets, such as government debt and investment-grade corporate credit. Execution of this rates-focused approach has been strong. The strategy has often outperformed in both credit and rates stress periods, including during 2020's first quarter coronavirus sell-off. BlackRock income is a notable proposition within the multi-sector bond Morningstar category. This offering's flexible approach leverages the same resources and philosophy that back gold-rated BlackRock high-yield bond. Management aims to achieve consistent and attractive risk-adjusted results throughout the credit cycle by dynamically investing across global credit markets. The investment universe is relatively broad, ranging from collateralized loan obligations and other securitized assets to investment-grade and high-yield corporates, emerging markets, and bank loans. The fund has delivered strong returns, ranking ahead of 85% of its peers, with a lower volatility than 60% of them. FlexShares High Yield Value Scored Bond Index Fund is a solid pick for high yield bond market exposure. It tracks the Northern Trust High Yield Value Scored U.S. Corporate Bond Index, which seeks to maximize exposure to bonds offering higher yields while controlling for downside risk. The fund's benchmark picks bonds from the Northern Trust High Yield U.S. Corporate Bond Index, a broadly diversified, market value weighted index that is representative of the available market. It employs an optimizer to maximize exposure to bonds with high value scores, a proprietary metric that assesses each eligible bond's relative value. The optimizer uses various constraints to keep the fund's risk in check. This fund benefits from a systematic approach that ensures a broadly diversified portfolio with minimal concentration risk. For example, as of June, 2021, the top 10 holdings in the fund's portfolio accounted for 5% of assets, while the high-yield bond Morningstar category average was 15%.
0: And lastly, here are three up-and-coming stock funds our analysts like.
3: Morningstar Prospects is a list of up-and-coming or under-the-radar investment strategies that Morningstar Manager Research may someday bring under full coverage. We recently added a trio of new stock funds to the list. Dodge & Cox Emerging Market Stock has some hallmarks of a Dodge & Cox strategy, but it ventures into new territory. The mutual fund, launched in May 2021, adopts the firm's prudent investment committee structure. The strategy also draws upon a proven, valuation-driven approach that has produced solid emerging markets picks for Dodge & Cox International stock. Unlike the firm's other offerings, however, this one relies on a quantitative model to find attractive stocks. The firm's vaunted analyst team doesn't dive deeply into the model's recommendations, it simply checks if those stocks meet the team's expectations for valuation, management, and business prospects. The resulting portfolio has 200-plus holdings, much more than the typical Dodge & Cox equity strategy. It is worth watching how Dodge & Cox handles its new quant tool and its effects on analysts' workloads. But the firm has had success with every fund launched in its 91-year history. Investors are paying a fair price as the fund gets going. Like all Dodge & Cox mutual funds, its expense ratio lands in its peer group's cheapest quartile. Thomas Levering maintains a compact portfolio of relatively stable, structurally advantaged infrastructure companies as a subadvisor for John Hancock Infrastructure. Prior to this fund's inception in December 2013, Levering launched the strategy as a separately managed account at Wellington Management in June 2010. His preference for companies operating in regulated industries with long term contracted assets has proved to be defensive during periods of market stress, when the strategy tends to significantly outperform the category average. This temperate profile comes despite an above average allocation in emerging markets companies, which peers tend to avoid because of higher political and regulatory risks. Levering has specialized in global utilities and energy infrastructure since he joined Wellington in 2000. He's also manager of Silver Rated Vanguard Energy, a role he has held since early 2020. Morgan Stanley Developing Opportunity has a strong pedigree. Launched in February 2020, the strategy comes off manager Christian Hughes' tremendous success with his flagship, Morgan Stanley Global Opportunity. The strategy leverages Hughes' characteristic enterprising approach. He is an unabashed growth investor, targeting firms capable of capturing large addressable markets with sustainable organic revenue growth and high-margin business models. As such, he tends to tread lightly in industries that require significant capital expenditures, instead focusing on the consumers, technology, and financial sectors. He has long been an investor in Chinese growth companies, and this strategy has also counted heavy exposure to Chinese firms since inception. The strategy's short lifespan and differing mandate warrant additional monitoring.
0: That does it for this week's Investing Insights podcast from Morningstar. We hope you have enjoyed our program and we welcome your feedback. Please send your comments and questions to podcasts at Morningstar.com. From everyone here at Morningstar, thanks for listening. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. Morningstar and its affiliates are not affiliated with this guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax advice. Please consult a tax and or financial professional for advice specific to your individual circumstances. Morningstar Research Services LLC is a subsidiary of Morningstar Inc. and is registered with and governed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision.